Hello and welcome back to Flash Knockdown. It's Series 3, Episode number 7. Here's what we have coming up for you all on today's show. I caught up with Katie Taylor at the launch press conference in Dublin ahead of her big rematch with Chantel Cameron. Sonny Edwards recaps a busy media week with Bam Rodriguez and takes on our 12-round Eliminator Challenge quiz. Dalton Smith gives an update and recaps the best things to happen in boxing last week. Nigel Benn, what a legend to have on the podcast. He reviews his time out in Orlando last week with son Connor after his ring return and reveals his dream dinner party lineup as well. And there's another Mike Costello classic from the Memory Bank. What a show. Fight week for Jordan Thompson and all coming up on today's show, so don't go anywhere. Well, ahead of the official launch press conference in Dublin, a little bit earlier this week, we flew in, we flew out the same day. I did manage to grab five minutes with undisputed lightweight champion of the world, challenging once again to become the undisputed super lightweight champion of the world, Katie Taylor. Here's what Katie had to say. Well, Katie Taylor, what an absolute privilege and honour, as always, to, to have some time to catch up with you. We're here for a launch press conference for the rematch. It feels like it wasn't long ago we were here last time. Your name is on the right side of the card on, on the big backdrop in the main room. I think as far as I'm aware, that might be the first time in your professional career. I just wonder how on earth that feels and how that looks for you. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't make a difference to me whether my name is on the right-hand side or, or the left-hand side or whether I'm seen as a favourite or the underdog. Um, my mindset is still exactly the same. I train to win, and I'm stepping in, into the ring uh, on November 25th um, as confident as ever that if I perform to my ability, I will win. And so I'm, I'm just excited for for the rematch. I'm very, very grateful that I have a chance to have a rematch. That every fighter has this opportunity, and so I'm very, very grateful. I know after every fight, you've told us before, you always go and, and spend some time with your family and with your grandmother, who's your biggest supporter as well. For the first time in the wake of defeat, Katie, with your family, was that experience even more special for you, do you think, in a lot of ways? And if so, why perhaps? Yeah, I think it's always great to be surrounded by people who love you, uh, regardless of whether, whether you win or lose. Um, I spent a couple of weeks at home after the last life, which is what I always do. Um, but it's just great to be around family. And um, it's obviously um, a different kind of atmosphere after a loss. It's, uh, I was extremely disappointed, but... I never ever dwell there. I never relive those emotions. I'm, I've been here before, not as, not as a pro, but at the elite amateur level, where, uh, where I have lost, and I know how to make the necessary adjustments. I know how to come back stronger, and um, I'm just excited to have a chance to, to be able to do that this time around. I know you're not always a massive fan of watching yourself back, if if that's in documentaries or in interviews or films or fights even. Have you watched this one back? And if so, how do you feel looking back at your performance now? Um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, there's obviously no complaints about the decision. I think uh, I just left the early rounds a bit too subjective and I think I was definitely a lot sharper and stronger in all the exchanges. I just let my hands go as much in the in the earlier rounds, um, which cost me the fight, I think. But, um, but it was a great fight. The atmosphere was amazing, but um, that doesn't matter because I lost. <laughs> but it's just uh, either way to, to have a chance to bring big-time boxing back to Ireland was, was very very special even though the night didn't go the Irish way it was still an amazing night packed with entertaining fights and we have a chance to do this again in, in a few months time 
I think, Katie, certainly in the media, the Irish media, and because of how much your fans adore you as well, people almost made excuses for you after, after the first fight about was the ring walk too long? Did you spend too much time on the ramp? Did you too mu- do too much media in, in the build-up in fight week? Truly, though, sitting here today, there was no excuses. Was there for, from your perspective? No, I don't think so. I think I felt fairly relaxed during fight week, to be honest. And uh, I don't think fight week is always a busy week anyway, uh, regardless of... Uh, where the fight is or who I'm fighting, it's always a busy week. So I can't say that that fight week was any different this time round. But uh, I felt fine going into the ring. I just, uh, um, yeah, I just got uh, probably just outworked, I suppose. But it's okay. I have a chance to to rectify things. And um, and like I said, I'm very very grateful that I actually have a chance to go again. I have a second chance here to turn the last to survive into a great victory. And uh, that's a fantastic opportunity. You have that chance to rectify it on exactly the same terms at Super Lightweight once again. What does that say about your mindset and why was that so important to you as well? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think anything would have made a sense to you otherwise, uh, regardless. Of, like, I, I just wanted Chantal Cameron again. That's the only fight that that, that made sense to me uh, at the same weight and uh, the same terms, like you said. Um the last fight was a phenomenal fight and um, we have a chance to do this again. I just want to be involved in the biggest fights of female boxing and um, that's that's always been my goal. And so, uh, yeah, this is a, just this is just amazing to have a chance to go again and to become a 2-8 undisputed champion. Chantelle's next door. I was just sitting in there listening to her round table with the journalists and as you can imagine, she's full of confidence that she's going to win in, in more convincing fashion that time but is there part of you Katie that that welcomes that energy is it a little wry smile appears on your face there yeah I mean uh, I am sure she is going to be uh, as confident as ever as I am I, I'm as confident as ever as well that if I perform to my ability I will win regardless of who's on the other side of the ring um, I'm just uh, I just can't wait to step in there and um, um, again it's going to be a huge fight it's going to be uh this fight matters for my career, obviously. I think every fight's always the most important fight, but um, this fight definitely does matter. And uh, um, I'm just excited to, I think a win will, will even increase my legacy. It certainly will. And in terms of the pressures, like you say, they're there for every fight. And I think everyone's probably going to ask you today, how damning would, it, would a, another loss to Chantel Cameron be? In that, in your mind, is that factoring into why the, the fires are so strong in your belly heading into November 25th? Um, I think uh, there's pressure in every single fight. I don't think this fight is any different. I think uh, the best attitude for every fighter is that the next fight is always the most important fight, regardless of uh, what's on the line. So this fight's important, just like the last fight was important, and the one before that, and the one before that. So every fight is 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 a must-win fight, and so my mindset is completely the same uh, going into this fight. I always train to win. I'm willing to push myself to the brink to do that. I'm not. I have no problem being in the trenches and. Um, yeah, I mean, may, may the best person win, but I, I'm very, very confident that I'll, that I'll become a victorious. When we asked Chantel for a prediction, she, she did say quite bluntly she feels like you can't hurt her over 10 rounds. And, you know, she feels like, although the respect's there out of the ring, there's no respect inside the ropes, it is how she described it for us. In your mind, Katie, your response to that and, and truly how you're visualising yourself rewriting the script as well. Uh, I'd not really, uh, you know, I, I don't like to have a verbal battle or whatever, but uh, we're obviously going to see a fight night. I'm going to train as hard as I can like she is, and we'll see who comes out on top. 
Um, I don't believe she has the ability to hurt to hurt me either. So we both have that mindset stepping into the ring. Um, we both share ten rounds together now um, in the last fight. And um, like I said, we'll, we'll see what happens. But um, I'm very very confident, and so is she. That's what makes uh, great fights. I do want to ask you one question about your faith. We always speak about it, about how important it is to you. And I know there's always been certain scriptures that you've recited and have given you a lot of strength in camp and on fight night. Has there been some new scriptures, perhaps, that you've read maybe in the wake of defeat and this new situation you find yourself in, that new, new parts of, of the Bible you've been able to find new strength from that perhaps you hadn't necessarily found before? Um, I wouldn't say um, I've, I've found new, new scriptures. I'm always, uh, I, I always want to grow deeper and deeper with God. I, I don't know where I'd be without him, but, um, you know, as a Christian, I think uh, it doesn't mean that life's going to go a rosy for you neither, but as a Christian, I think uh, resurrection is built into my mindset. It's in my DNA, and I always feel like, like Jesus, who's a resurrected king, can resurrect me, and uh, I have no... I, I'm very, very confident that's going to happen this this night, and um, I'm very grateful for the opportunity. I feel very blessed to be in this position, and um, I'm using uh, all my my talent, the gift to glorify and honor Jesus. And I think that's uh, that to me gives me the, the biggest joy. With God by your side, you also need the people of Ireland as well to to come out. They came out in, in their thousands, and it was so special, wasn't it, back in May? But what's your message to them to to get behind you once again and, and roll you onto victory? I think the last night was absolutely so special. Uh, even though it didn't go my way, uh, the Irish way was still an amazing night. And I think uh, every time we bring big time boxing back um, to Ireland, uh, it embeds boxing back into our culture again, where it belongs. Boxing belongs at the forefront of Irish sports. It's a, it's our most successful sport, and we have a chance to do this again. And uh, I'm just so grateful for all the support, and um, it's going to be another historic night. And the new, I suppose they're three words once yeah. again that are very important to you. Absolutely, and the new. Here we, here we go again. And um, yeah, history is in the making. The best is yet to come. Absolutely. I'll <laughs> <laughs> maybe say it. <laughs> That's my favourite line, Kate. Uh, always an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for your time. Stay healthy in camp, and we look forward to seeing you fight week. So Thanks so much. What an absolute privilege it is to have legend of British boxing, former world champion Nigel Ben. Oh, stop it! Stop it! Stop it! <laughs> you deserve. You know you deserve that intro. Of course you do. Uh, on the podcast today, all the way from Essex. Uh, how's jet lag, Nigel? Because you've been travelling around uh, the world a little I, bit. But I, you're I back to your best. I didn't have none. I didn't have no jet lag at all whatsoever. Nice. No, so you you're feeling fresh? Yeah, well, then what happened? I, I don't sleep on a plane. I stay awake until I get to England. Yeah, 15 hours, I just stayed awake, you know, didn't sleep on a plane. Because once it gets turb, go through turbulence, oh, mate, you want to see a black man turn white, sit next to me, mate, I'm telling you, I lose the plot. <laughs> <laughs> you've been, uh, you've also been down the gym, Nigel, and I've seen you train recently firsthand when we were over in the Isle of Wight, and you're still an absolute beast, but you, you've been training down Tony's gym today as well, I believe. Why is it so important yeah, to you, yeah. Nigel, mentally, physically, to, to stay in the shape that you do today? I feel, you know, it just helps me with my mental health. That's, that's, that's the most important thing, my mental health with, with bipolar. I've just, all the days of my life, I've, changed, I've trained from the age of 12 doing martial arts. 
you know, and in, in the army, boxing. So I've always trained all my life, all my life. And I think it really just helps me, helps me deal with my weight, helps me deal with my mental health, most important thing. You're looking fantastic. And it's great to, to see you looking the way you do. I do just want to ask you how your, uh, your emotions were last weekend after everything that's been going on for the last, blimey, God knows how long. To see Eight, your 18 months, 18 months yeah. since Connor's last fight, to, to see him step out onto that ring walk ramp. Nigel, how uh, how special a moment was that for you? It didn't sink in. It kind of, even after the fight, the next day, I think, yeah, when's he fighting? I think, oh, mate, he's already just fought. So it was just, it's just processing a lot of things, what we all went through as a family and the struggles that we had, because it wasn't just Connor struggling, it was my wife struggling, me struggling. Everything just, by the flip of a coin, his, his life has just turned upside down, so... We all struggled, and then it really didn't do good for my mental health. But um, even like now, even even today, it's still you know it's still like going on. Want this, want this case over with. But it was good that he got the fight under his belt, and I mean a tough fight under his belt, which I'm so glad that he had. I'm glad he didn't have an easy fight. I'm glad he went ten hard rounds, mate. You know he come out, he was battered and bruised. He had three stitches in the back of his head. Three stitches on his eye, and he had this massive bump on the side of his head, and he was bruised. He was urinating blood for a day. Wow, you know. And he uh, he turned twenty seven as well this week. Yeah. Twenty seven years young, still a young man, but a hundred percent, hundred percent, mate, hundred percent. But in terms of the relationship you guys have, it it's a special one, and uh, I'm sure you're not proud of him just for the boxer he is, but also very much the the son and the relationship you guys have. Yeah, we, we've we've worked on it. We've we've worked on it. Connor was like uh, Connor's so much like me that when he was a child, I was hard on him only because I saw me in him. Not not saying it's a bad thing, but it was like you know it'd be naughty. It wasn't really naughty. It wasn't really bad. You know, we, I can't say he's a bad kid, but the difference is because I was firm in my beliefs, being in the army, discipline, and everything was what. I didn't want my son to fall down the same pit holes that I did because my, my pits were deep. I didn't want Connor going down that road. And I see that way that was the way that he was going. After the fight, Nigel, uh, we saw a great interview with yourself and Connor, and, and you made a bit of a, a, a call out, if you like, to, to Team Eubank, your old friend Chris Eubank Sr. and his son Chris Eubank Jr. In, in your mind, yeah. Nigel, wh why is this the fight that should happen next and why is it the fight you want to see happen next? Because I think at the end of the day, it's a fight that the public want to see. And one thing is the public wants this. Not just me, the public want this. They want to see the rivalry continue. And there's another fight out there to me. Like, I was reading that this fight was bigger than AJ in um, Fury. Because at the end of the day, it's like Fury fight should have been, and AJ fight should have been about two years ago. So it drags on, drags on. Drags. I don't want this fight, Connor's fight, to drag on. He had a good win over Smith, even though Smith had two damaged legs anyway. But we won't even go there. But he had to. Do, he had to do what he had to do. So, uh, um, and now Connor's done what he had to do. So let's get the fight on. No mucking around. No wasting time. He can't go nowhere. Connor can go places. You mentioned about you know, how uh, you mentioned about how tough Connor's opponent was, Nigel. But no, do you believe? God. Listen, do you, listen, listen. Would you would you let, bank take the shots? Would you bank take the shots? Let me tell you something <laughs> now. I went into the changing room, right, and I watched him bandage his hands, mate. I could tell you something now. 
the way that they bandaged his hand was like a work of art. I come back and I told Tony, I wish I taped how they wrapped up his hand. He was doing all these exercises with his hand, stretching his hand up, bending his hand up. But watching them bandage his hand, oh my gosh, it gave my heart a kind of quick flutter. Because what happened, he actually shook my hand, right? And I actually felt the power in his hands. I thought, mate, oh, for freaking hell. Why did I have to come in the changing room? So it was like it was like that. I just felt the power and I was watching him just do an exercise. So, so from the beginning, it was just something about him, but he was very respectful. That's what I like about him and his team. Very, very respectful. And um, he worked fast. But, mate, I've never seen anyone take punches like that and stay up. I think he's had 170 amateur, 174 amateur fights. Never been knocked down, never been stopped. Mate, and now you know what kind of pedigree he's got. Because Connor knew, Connor was pinging shots off him left, right, and centre. But he was bouncing off him and coming back. Oh my gosh. Just could not believe it. I thought, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, mate, he's back up. Oh, that's it. He just, he came back at Connor all the time. And Connor said, mate, you ain't playing, you ain't possum, playing possum with me, mate. I know what you're trying to do. So Connor said, mate, he Connor knew early doors this is going to be a 10 round fight and he boxed absolute to me it's the best fight that he's had regardless of all the other fights because what he's done he's been at 18 months he fought a guy that I think had an 11 week training camp to, to, to fight Connor and he was just in great shape and he, what he was, didn't let Connor talk and Connor had to use his head moving jabbing moving body head body so he just really got enough with myself and Connor said that ain't my hardest fight I said it might not be your hardest fight to me it was your hardest fight not like the Paynard and all that, because you were still young. This is the kind of guy, and I think Eddie, I think Eddie Hearn signed him as well. I said, you know, you got to look after this guy. I think, like, I mm. think he can go places. He can be like the, the 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 rough diamond, mate. Do you think, Nigel, that Chris Eubank Jr. could stand up to the shots that Connor landed in that ring last weekend? No, not not at all, not at all, not at all, not at all. Because you watched the first, um, second Smith fight. One round one, two, he just held on for dear life. Didn't he realize that Smith threw 34 punches in 10 rounds? In 10 rounds, as it's proven, you watch his ankles after round eight, nine, when he went to the break, they showed you both of his ankles. And I mean, he didn't throw no, he didn't do nothing. So he ain't thinking like he's calling out a shot. Yeah, you're, you're the A side. You've, you've never been an A side. You, you've never been, he thinks he's been an A side. He's not. If Smith, if Smith come in the way that he did the first fight, it would have been completely different. And it wasn't. But I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm chuffed that he win because then you wouldn't be able to sell you Banks and Ben if you got battered twice. But I don't think he'd be able to live with Conor's power. He will. Regardless, everyone saying, "Oh yeah, but you know, you did. You know, you move up to one fifty four, and yet you know you, you can't put him away, mate." <laughs> he was hitting with every shot in the book. And I know Conor Spars are guys much bigger than him. Hey, Nigel, I want to uh, move on to a part of this chat now. I think my producer, Scott, told you about this. This is a section of the podcast called Food Fight, right? And essentially, it's about building your dream yeah. din dinner party lineup, right? So there's a, there's a few little uh, rules yeah. to this, right, Nigel? So they, your guests can be alive or they can be guests who are no longer with us, right? But you've, you've got four guests in total. But the first guest must be from the world of boxing. It could be a fighter 
or a trainer and why you think you would want them at your house enjoying some food? Who, who do you think would be your dream guest from the world of boxing, Nigel? Who's your boxing hero? Marvin Hagler. I just liked everything about him. Um, his determination, will to win. He was just like on you. It's just like, you know, just, he was just one of my heroes, you know. And, I mean, I would have loved to have fought him over 12 rounds. Not saying that I would I would win, but it was just being an honour to just be in the ring with him. It would just been an honour just been in there. I bashed up his brother Robbie Sims good and proper, but you know I would I would have loved to have been in the ring with Marvin. Not saying I would have won. I, you know I'm not gonna you know disrespect Marvin Hagler, mate. You know he was, he was the best fighter that I've ever met. That that would have been one of the greatest fights of all time. I think Nigel Benn versus Marvin Hagler. Yeah, I would have been throwing everything out of the kitchen sink, everything at him, mate. At him. I wouldn't stop. Right, so Marvin Hagler is guest number one for Nigel Benn. Nigel, the next rule is one actor or actress from the film or TV world. What's, what's Nigel Benn's type of movie? What film would you like, Nigel? Yeah, it would be Scarface, sorry to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that tough. I love Michelle Pfeiffer. <laughs> okay, okay, I like it. I like it. Are you into your gangster films, Nigel? Um, good ones, good ones. Not the English ones. The, the, the real, the real, real, real gangster films. Yeah. What about That's the what film? Like. Uh, what about the film Connor played you in, Rise of the Foot Soldier? We're not a fan of his performance. Uh, listen, listen. He looked <laughs> like he had a bloody mop on his head, and he didn't look nothing like me. Oh, mate. Yeah, he didn't look nothing like me, mate. I said, I hope he never acts again. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing he can fight, eh? <laughs> yeah <laughs> bail himself out <laughs> this uh the next guest nigel and this will be a good one because i know you love your music this is a, a musician or singer who, who else do you want to join michelle pfeiffer and marvin hagler at this party nigel ben what, <sighs> what music do you like i like funky house music yeah i would i would love to have someone like louis vega i don't know if you know who louis vega is mate you know yeah deep house makes good music mate Good funky house music, yeah. So it would be definitely Louis Vega. And then I'll ask him if you want to come down Ministry of Sound with me. <laughs> Is it, are you going to pop down Ministry now you're back in? No, London? don't do that no more, <laughs> mate. Mate, the days are well and truly gone, mate. I won't tell anyone. Oh uh, yeah, I, I, listen, I can't go and play them. I'm nearly, I'm sixty in January, mate. I have, I need me walking stick, mate. That them days are well and truly gone. <laughs> and Nigel, the final guest. The final guest is this one. Maybe is a bit more personal. This is maybe a a family member, past or present, someone you'd want round this table to to have a great night with. Who who do you want there, and why do you think? My dad. Yeah, my dad. Why would that be so important to you? Do you think, Nigel, for for your old man to be to be at this party with you? Do you think? Because I miss him. Yeah, he's my hero. He's my hero. It was everything to me. I want my dad with me. He was always away with me when I was training. When you think about your relationship with your dad, Nigel, and, and how he was your hero, I know for a fact that you're Connor's hero as well. Does that make you proud that you've been able to, to transcend that relationship? Well, and it's, so, and it's so funny because my dad was hard on me. But what I mean by hard, he had that discipline. Out of these seven boys, I know me and my dad were the closest. Yeah. You know what I mean? So we, we were close, but we had that discipline. He didn't. If I went out, you know, if I go and take things that don't belong to me and bring shame on the family, now it it come down on me, mate. But then he would love me with the other hand as well. You know what I mean? So I love that discipline. And the same thing with Connor. If I was disciplined Connor, 
he thought I was too hard on him. I, I never need to knock him around or anything. Never done anything like that. The only thing I've done once and I grabbed Connor and that was it once when he was out doing wrong things. Once and that was it. That was it. And he pushed me. And I'll tell you what, mate, I cannot believe he pushed me because, <laughs> listen, mate, oh my gosh, he pushed me. Listen, he pushed me. <laughs> I really want to have a straightener with him. It wouldn't have been a straightener. We would have been out. He got in trouble in Australia when the police was on his case. And, and, and I stood up for him and I was there with him at court, blah, blah, blah. And he, um, he didn't realise that I was, he said, mate, dad does love me. Of course I love you, son. Don't be silly. You know, he, he, he was in a lot of trouble, a lot of trouble, but he didn't realise how much I love him. But, you know, he didn't understand the discipline and the love that go hand in hand. You can't have everything your own way. But then, you know, we built a brilliant relationship. You know, it's like I was actually meant to just go straight to England. And he said, Mum, Mum, please make Dad come over to, uh, uh, to America with me. And I went out there and she said, yeah, mate, we just, we're back to normal. But, but the funny thing about it, the best training camp we had, best training camp by far, we're, we're yeah, Isle of Wight. That was the best training camp we have. Now, when he fights you, Banks, because it will happen, when he fights you, Banks, mate, we're, we're going off somewhere. We're going to do exactly the same thing, but on another, another, another level. Because this is personal. Colin's already told you, this is personal, mate. And we're, we're, we're going for him, mate. So we don't want no excuses either. We're, just, we're ready for him, big time. All you've got to do is sign contracts. And like I said, you know, he thinks he's the A side. Yeah, you can have, you can have be be top of the bill. You can have the, you can walk in second. You can do whatever you want. We, we don't mind coming in second. We just want the fight. We don't care. We don't care. You come in second. We don't care. Having the headlines, you're gonna have you banks like you know ten inch letters in color, two inch letters. We don't care. It doesn't mean nothing to us. We don't. We don't work like that. We work what's in the ring. And I know that's what Connor's gonna do. Connor will do a number on him. Regardless, it's giving it all to Charlie Big Bernard. Say that fight, that fight was it's thin, like, oh, it was a yawn, it was a yawn fest. What are you talking about? People know you're lying. It's when you can own up and say, mate, that was a good fight, that was a good fight, not a yawn. When you meet Connor, he's going to annihilate you. And I believe it won't even go past four or five rounds. I believe that. As soon as he catches him, that's it. Soon. And that's coming from me. Soon as Connor touches, and I'm, and I'm not being disrespectful. I'm just saying, when you get hit by Connor, you know he can knock you into tomorrow. I'm telling you, I know that. I know that. Regardless of it, all his bravado and all that jumping over the ring, it's going to be different. It's going to be a different night. It's going to be a different night. Connor, Connor's going to out him early, early doors. Mark my, my word. Nigel, we cannot wait to see it. I must say, I could sit and talk to you all day, but we have got to go because <laughs> our, way, our way ins about to start. Uh, but but thank you so much for your time. Uh, great to catch all up. Right, I look forward to seeing you very soon. All right, take care of yourself. God mate. bless you, my friend. Well, Scott, we've just wrapped up the weigh-in. What has been a very busy week for for Jai Opatia, Jordan Thompson fight week. We've snuck into a little dungeon room a box park Wembley. I'm not sure if we're supposed to be in here. Probably not, mate. I can see some people outside queuing to get in. So it's a bit, <laughs> it's like some sort of games room if you've ever been to box park Wembley upstairs with sort of pool tables and yeah. But we're getting away with it just now. That's the main thing. Yeah, we better um, get a move on. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> but listen, uh, Wayne's done. I always, I think maybe because I have to do the post-fight interviews and stuff, I always take quite a bit of stock in, in looking at the fighters on the scales, how they look. Certainly the last face-off that, 
the the image I got in my head from Jai Opataya is he is a man who is pretty stone cold. I think it was how I was. What Steve Austin? Him. Not Steve Austin. Uh, Maybe he's kind of ring walked that. Just looks just looks incredibly focused and, and incredibly ready. And, and like he said to me yesterday in, in his design interview, which will go out on the big screens in the arena, he's been doing this his whole life and he said this is just another day for him. Yeah, he's quite um he's got quite a presence about him, isn't he? Yeah, he's an aura, yeah. Yeah, he's really made that known this he's week. He's quite scary, I'll be honest. Yeah, yeah. So it's gonna he be is. interesting to see him tomorrow when he, he hits the ring after his second day weigh in, like what, what kind of size he is. Because there's been a few people around fight week, you know, he doesn't look that big. But seeing him today, he's pretty um, hefty. I would maybe say. not, maybe not big in terms of height, but he's stacked. Uh, it's like stocky, shredded, and yeah. I think you know Jordan Thompson's also massive for a cruiserweight. I mean, six foot seven, yep. isn't he? And you know, I think Jordan looked a little bit tighter at the weight today in, in comparison to Jai. And, and obviously, with the IBF, there is a second day weigh-in as well. So, yep. you know, I think Jordan. You know, he's often said this was an opportunity he couldn't turn down, right? But I think. He's been waiting for the chance also to move up to heavyweight, and I think if he if he can become world champion, he'll think what a perfect time to then do that to to move straight up to the big boys. Oh, you say that. I guess if you do win a world title, you could look to unify. He wouldn't have to do the second day weigh-in then, because the two two belts, the two governing bodies, sort of eradicates the IBF sort of check weight. So yeah, maybe then, it's yeah. a big ask. Look, let's be honest. We're probably getting a bit carried away even thinking about that. Charles Pattaya is here to do a number on him. I think you know he's brought a lot of people over him in his team you know you're looking at what 15 20 of them you don't often get that with a you know, traveling fighter I appreciate he's a world champion but he's coming here to make a, a statement i just believe what tony sims says i think tony sims is a, a proper boxing man i don't think tony sims would waste his time training someone that he didn't think could could reach a certain level and i've seen jordan in the gym he can punch punch like a horse and i just think for for five, six rounds, I think Opatire is going to be a bit cagey after the jaw injury. He's only human behind that southpaw stance. And I think for the first five, six rounds, live. This, this is going to be really intriguing. I can't wait for it. Yeah, and on the flip side, I guess Jordan's also shown some vulnerabilities, right? He's been dropped before yeah, uh, against Vasil Dusar, who's fighting on this card as well, a friend of the podcast. So that opens it up. I think, you know, the injury, like you say, it, it throws out into various elements about this fight, which makes it very, very interesting. I'm looking forward to it. Can't wait. And you mentioned Vasil Dukar. Shev Clark and Vasil Dukar's a great fight as well. Bit of a tear-up, potentially. Yeah. I think that'll be, as long as that lasts, that's going to be fireworks. Could be a bit of a four-round swing-up, I reckon. Yeah, I think that's going to be a great fight. And great to see Ellie Scottney back. Uh, she's been through a difficult time out the ring, but defending her world title for the first time in the arena she won it earlier this year Jimmy Sainz makes his pro debut George Liddard in action a lot of good fights to look forward to on the card this weekend live of course only on the zone we did have some news we're announcing that we're doing shows in Japan I saw oh, Frank yes. Smith Get me back. was over uh, for the press conference a bit earlier this week I must say I don't always put my hand and jump at opportunities to go to shows I would love to go to Tokyo and I actually said to Eddie I grabbed him just after the Katie Taylor Chantel presser on the side of the stage and I said, Ed, we've heard a few rumours in the office that a prize fighter format where Eddie, that was Eddie's glory days when he first started really, could be returning. I think the trophy's still in our office, isn't it? Is it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. You go through the reception door on the left-hand side. you run around and lift it up when no one's in? I have done. I've done before and (laughs) looked at myself in the reflection and... Done me hair in it. Um, yeah, obviously only rumours at the minute, but you know, there's a few people talking about it. I think it was picked up as well in a Japanese news article that I um, transcribed, so I don't know if that was discussed at the press conference, but seriously, a fantastic place. I've been lucky enough to go there twice, once with work when Jamie McDonnell unfortunately got beat up by Inoue in a round, and I went there once uh, on the way to the cricket as a stop off for the Ashes. It's, it's generally one of the, the greatest places I've been to, so looking forward to getting back there sooner rather than later, hopefully. Absolutely, and it's been a busy week with, with Bam and Sonny. Uh, Sonny coming up a little bit later on 
on the podcast we're, we're at talk sport and, and they've been all over the place really great media workout two guys who are very contrasting characters came face to face at the round table with Adeola Depot gloves are off style that's going to be dropping soon and I think Sonny feels, as he'll tell the listeners later on, he, he got the better of Bam Rodriguez over the, over the last couple of weeks, I think. Yes. It, well, I mean, he's always going to get the better of him at the face-off, let's be honest. Bam is quite a quiet quiet guy who likes to do his talking in the ring, a bit of a cliche, but true. So I can imagine that being a bit of a one-sided onslaught. But, you know, it's it's bubbling up nicely. You think it's still, what, two and a bit months away? It's so much time to the fight we can build into. And obviously not even one fight in the undercard has been announced yet. So really looking forward to, to that night in Phoenix, Arizona on December 16th. Absolutely. And we also, of course, are counting down the days to Wood Warrington. Uh, this is probably one of the fights in the schedule that I just cannot wait to sit ringside and enjoy. Uh, as you would have seen on the Matchroom socials, we just released the Make the Days Count documentary which you can go and enjoy that was fantastic looking forward to that so much great build-up coming for that fight next weekend and another fight an announcement announcement show 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 it sounds like we're not gonna have a day off until december 23rd cheers eddie um hopefully our our travel's not delayed on december 23rd and we miss christmas other fights to look forward to look no further than haney progray i mean this is going to be a belter to, to round off the year in december well i mean a week before a week before Bams, another great yeah, fight. I mean, that's going to be a, a fun couple of weeks and having Devin back in a match from show and, and back on the zone is great as well. Obviously, we worked with him, I guess, when he exploded, really. You think that knockout he got against Moran, now Haney's got that fire in his eyes and he landed that massive overhand right. That kind of sparked Devin Haney's assault into the lightweight division. So great to have him back. Obviously, we've got Regis Progray, who is the champion, but the B side of the poster, I guess that's a sign of... How don't think he's too happy about that. No, and probably rightly so. But I guess in a way, it's a bit of a Mayweather move, right? Well, we see it. We've seen it recently. We've seen it with Canelo Bivol. Yep, true. We've seen it with Taylor Cameron. You know. Yep, true. So it happens. I think when when you are, I guess the the A side in terms of revenue that you generate and followers, which clearly Devin Haney feels he is in in the contract negotiations for this one. I guess that was something that they had to get over the line. Look, and if it's a deal breaker, you just get on with it, right? Like, yeah. I don't, flip I, side, I don't think Progray cares. No, really. no, he's it, a fighting man. He doesn't care. It's a good. Um, it's just good to have a bit of ammo, though, I suppose. But on the flip side, you know, you've got someone like Conor Ben who's saying if the Eubank fight happens, don't care. Just give me everything. Just give me an eighteen foot ring. Just give me the eighteen foot <laughs> ring. <laughs> just ask Tony. And hopefully, I mean, that happens because that would be that'd be some build up. Uh, absolutely. November 2008, New York City and Joe Kalzaki's last fight and another of those memories that's about much more than boxing. There was a lot of debate beforehand about what would have happened had the two men met at their respective peaks and we moan now about fights that don't get made but it's hardly a new issue. For all that, Kalzaki versus Jones did feel like a big event as the fight week went by and it was to be my first commentary at Madison Square Garden so that was very special and Kalzaki summed the week up best in hindsight when he said that Roy Jones at that stage wasn't a shot fighter but he wasn't at his peak. And the first media event of fight week was the press conference on the Wednesday but the day before, Tuesday, the 4th of November 2008, was one of the most significant days in American history. And I'll never forget the noise that erupted around Times Square at around 11pm when the neon lights on the side of one of the buildings flashed up the message, CNN projection, Barack Obama elected president. 
I've been out with a few journalists from the UK and the US in a famous bar called Jimmy's Corner, run by an old New York cutman and trainer, Jimmy Glenn. The bar's on 44th Street, which is close to Times Square. And when I wandered out onto the square at about 10.30pm, you could barely move for people. And a police officer told me it was like New Year's Eve and then some. And this was a time before the widespread use of smartphones with inbuilt cameras. So I asked the officer if there was anywhere nearby where I could get one of those instant disposable cameras. And he pointed to a 24-hour pharmacy, which was right across the square. And it took me nearly 20 minutes to get there. Such were the crowds all around us, but it was well worth it. Those pictures I've got now of those mad celebrations are treasured possessions. The first black president of the United States. And we were there in one of the country's most famous landmarks to see the news break. Before I headed to the press conference the following morning, I wanted to get a copy of the New York Times as a souvenir, but everywhere had sold out. So the only way to get a copy was to join the queue, which was snaking right around the block, which housed the offices of the newspaper. And I queued in the end for about an hour to get my copy. Some people in front of me were buying in bulk, literally carrying bundles of the papers away. And I noticed just recently that a copy copy of that day's edition of the Times appeared on eBay for a thousand dollars. And when we got to the press conference, which was at Madison Square Garden, I interviewed Roy Jones first and he gave me an answer that bordered on poetry on what it meant to be a black man and a black sportsman in America at such a time. And yet when I asked Kalzaki for his reflections, he said he didn't want to talk about politics and preferred to concentrate on the fight, which he'd already said would be his last. And I was surprised at first, but then when I reflected on it, that was the response of a character so single-minded that he blocked out all unnecessary noise around him. And it brought to mind another instance I'd heard about like that, albeit in very different circumstances. Many years ago, I was sent to India to make a documentary about the country's passion for sport there. And one of the interviews I recorded was with a man called Vess Pace, whose son, Leander Pace, became an outstanding doubles player in tennis and won Wimbledon, among many other Grand Slam titles. But his dad, Vess Pace, was a hockey international and he played in the Indian team who won the bronze medal at the 1972 Olympics in Munich. And it was at those games that 11 members of the Israeli team were killed by Palestinian terrorists. And the day after the massacre, there was a memorial service held in the Olympic Stadium. And Vess told me that as he was walking to the stadium, he saw a group of American athletes running towards him. And so he stopped them to tell them that the stadium was in the other direction, that they were going the wrong way. And one of them said simply to him, we haven't trained all of our lives to give up on our ambition now. Uh, that attitude, that mentality is a huge part of who and what these high achievers are. And it served Joe well on fight night because he was floored in the first round by Jones, but came back to win the remainder on all three judges' scorecards. And strangely, just before the start of the 12th and final round, I could clearly hear Joe in my headphones through the ringside mics, which had picked him up asking his dad and trainer Enzo, I've got this. How 
haven't I, he says, with a kind of quizzical look, only to be told in typical Enzai of style, yes, you've pissed it, son. He had, and it meant that he'd finished his career unbeaten in 46 fights. That was his last one. It was my first commentary at Madison Square Garden, but my abiding memory stretches beyond the realms of sport. case after the last period of time I haven't realised who Mr One Man Band Sammy Edwards is I've been practising that routine that wasn't bad nah, man that was all you know for me Jamie yeah. anything I want to do I can just start doing that I don't was, have to learn how to do it you've got talent like, anything I've ever wanted to do I just start doing I don't think about learning it I just start doing do more think less that was really good. I was really impressed with that. And a great way to start this segment of the show. Sonny, welcome. I must say, I feel like I've seen an awful lot of you over the last week. Uh, and I'll be real, pe- people have been telling me that. Like, I've had people call me like, they're doing a fantastic job down at Matchroom and the Zone because I've seen you everywhere. You good know to hear. I mean? That's what we want to hear. Uh, my question to you is, we're nearing the end of this second week of the media tour, so to speak. Are you excited to, to go home now? Has it been a sort of strange holiday, busy business week fortnight for you how do you look back on the last 14 days or so nah man i'm dreading going back up home this is i literally you got it right i felt like i've been on holiday um i factored it in though i probably had about six week training camp finished by you know two of those weeks in you know probably optimal training settings hot weather altitude strength and conditioning there sparring partners there nutritionists in the house cooking all the lads the food like genuinely probably the best i've ever operated as a professional boxer for any period of time um that's just before this so i sort of did it where i had like a camp like a pre-season camp you know really hard sparring um did a lot of rounds in the last couple of weeks um and then i factored in this you know 10 days i'm gonna be you know walking around a lot traveling a lot um different hotel different hotel interview to interview so <clears throat> i kind of you know factored it you know, I had my little workout meal shakedown the other day. Um, was in the Lynn last night, taking some pads and that, but still staying very active. My weight's not going nowhere. I'm not sitting here being gluttonous and, you know, eating out on uh, 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 the matchroom credit card. Yeah, it's been really enjoyable. Like, probably 10 of the most enjoyable days I've ever done doing anything ever. And that's why it, I struggle to see fighters that see this part as something that they're losing themselves to do. I feel like I enjoy it so much. Um, yeah, this has literally been like a holiday, all expenses paid. Um, and all I have to do is do a little bit of work every, every what, half an hour, a couple of chats, a couple of pictures. Well, you've nice. played your part. You have played your part as well because you've been fantastic in, in terms of building this fight. I did get the opinion just from watching you at Talk Sport and as the week wore on that I think as much as you were enjoying it, I think Bam Rodriguez had, had had enough of Sonny Edwards, do you think? Bam started having enough of Sonny Edwards, I think. He come to America, but he didn't. He turned down two trips to the UK to promote this fight already. He was meant to be there for my Campos fight, didn't come. And he was meant to be there at the AJ fight week for the first head-to-head, get us in the ring where my fight got announced with him. He was supposed to be there, we were supposed to do it at an AJ fight, so, like big venue. And he did not want to come. Um, you know, this was like the media tour that he had to, you know, it was media obligated. And even then he tried cutting it short. He didn't want to go there. He didn't want to do this. He didn't want to have a press conference in the second week. Like, why? Why in your opinion? I feel like, even though I'm not trying to get into his head, I guess the, the reactions kind of show that maybe, you know, he's affected by my presence. My confidence must be quite 
unnerving. Um, I'm shaking now. Yeah. <laughs> no, but my confidence must be unnerving. And one thing I found very quite like distinct and stand out for all of this is I'm speaking to him very confidently about you know what the situation is, how good we both are as fighters, what's going to happen, how I'm going to win, exactly how I'm going to do it. And then after all of that, he gets asked, well, what's the best thing about Sonny? He's like, oh, he's really smart. <laughs> so how can you tell everyone that my IQ and, and how smart I am is the biggest strength? And I'm really telling you how this is going to go. Like, you're kind of contra contradicting yourself. You should be saying, well, <clears throat> you think you're going to win. You ain't smart at all. You're stupid if you think you're going to do this to me. And I'm telling him how it's going to go and that he probably needs a knockout, needs one because he's not outboxing me. And, and he's not disagreeing, you know. How did the face-off go when, when you did the round table with Adel Oladipo? That's going to be dropping very soon on, on Matchroom and own socials. Is there any inside scoop you can give us on, on who you feel won that one? Oh, no, 100% me. I feel like I've won every single part of this whole media tour. I think Bam thinks that, but I don't think he's tried to even win it, you know? I think he knows what he looks like, he knows who he is, and he just accepts it, which, if anything, like, that's probably the reaction he should do if he now got dragged into sort of the war of words and it would be more out of character. Someone like me, I absorb the energy being around someone I'm about to get in the ring with. I love seeing them at fight weeks. I love when it's aggy, to be honest. I love it more when it's like that. But this, I can, I can deal with this. I can, you know, get to know someone's temperament and their mindset just by little conversations and reactions to things. And, you know, he might not be the most confident in front of camera when it comes to promoting a fight, but one thing's for sure, we all know he's very confident in the ring. So, you know, it's still a great fight. You can't read anything into this. I love all of this side of things, so obviously I'm going to enjoy it. Well, December 16th, live on the zone. Bam Rodriguez, Sonny Edwards, flyweight unification. We can't wait. Just had to get that the zone plug in. Let me hand over now to producer Scott Sonny because this is part of the show. This is the challenge quiz. We have people on every week. Your mate, your mate, uh, Zelfa Barrett was on last week. I heard he got. He was, I heard he. he I heard awful. he. I heard I he tanked. He got zero first time. I love Zelfa dearly, but he, this wasn't his forte. I, I must admit. So you've got a low bar to beat your pals Alpha Barrett but here is uh, producer Scott just to give you the rundown of what this quiz is all about now Scott tell me what's the rules of the quiz <laughs> well Sonny welcome to the 12 round eliminator challenge like Jamie said self on nil poire so you can't be bottom them uh, Bradley Skeet currently leads the way on 8 points you know I'm the 12 round king you know that, well let's it? say about that so you essentially know? for our listeners as well just going to run over some ground rules and Sonny take a listen as well so this is essentially a bit of a who am I so we're trying to identify one of your previous opponents here. Okay. So there's 12... I know quite well. There's 12 questions on offer. With each losing uh, round, you lose a point. So you start off with 12 points for question one. If you want to move to the next question, round number two, and you get it right then, you get 11 points, for example. If you get it right on the last round, you get one point. So it's done on a 12-point sort of system. One, one thing to add in, you do get a bonus lifeline, which Jamie can um, read out at any time. You can ask for it free of charge. It may help you or it may not help you. Okay, then. Let's go. Okay, Sonny Edwards. Let's go. Question number one, worth 12 points. I made my professional debut the same night as Katie Taylor made hers, but not at the same venue. So when Katie Taylor turned pro, her last Olympics was the 2012. It wasn't 2016. She didn't go 2016. Did she go 2016? She did go 2016. She won gold she? in 2012. She didn't did. She? she did. I like the thought process here because no, you're no, trying no. to map out the years. I like this. I like it. I know who it is. Okay. I know who it is. Wow. I think. I'm not going to say <laughs> yet. But I think I know who it is. Wow. Okay. We've got a couple of questions to, to get wait, to Bradley. Wait, 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 wait. So Katie Taylor would have debuted circa yo know, maybe late 2016, early 2017, right? So therefore, this person can't have been like one of my old fighters like it can't have been in the journeyman really okay. um, I like, I like the so process. I've got a couple that I think it could be just from age and time that it would have turned pro 
want to go for a second question. The next question, worth 11 points. If you know me, you know I believe in the phrase, faith is your fortune. So they might have had it on their shirt when you boxed them. They might have said it in the build-up. Tattoo. It could have been on their socials. It's religious, man. Um, faith is your fortune. Now, that doesn't ring any bells. I think the first one was a bigger, much bigger clue. Because I'm, just like, I'm still trying to work out because there's definitely some fighters that it could have been. Because I actually debuted around that time. So it could have been a Marcel Braithwaite even now, I'm thinking. Because I don't really know when he turned pro. Next question. And faith is your fortune. I know he was quite like a, uh, like a, you know, a spiritual. You know, he had stars and his kit had to be the right colour and everything. So, you know, that might be one. But we'll carry on. I'm gonna go for ten points. I want to get top, so I've got Definitely two questions. The best, like, I've seen. Well, I'm the cleverest you've had on here. But you got to remember, I have a lot of obscure opponents. That's what's hard. Like I've got a lot of like, internationals that I'm trying to think like it could be one of the Mexicans. I don't know what, how old they were. And now I'm thinking about it. I've been giving the substitutes, Mike. Is it working? It sounds like it's coming through. All right, cool. Question number three worth 10 points. I'm not the biggest social media user. I only have 18 posts on my Instagram feed and 949 followers on Twitter. That looks out Campos because he got about 20, 30k just for fighting me. Like he, started at ten, he started at 10k and ended up about 40, 30. Why do you he, think that is? Because I was an antagonist and the Chileans really got behind him. But now they're kind of behind me because I did it in a good way. That's what the best thing about this boxing thing is you can be really disrespectful for respectful after you and then you kind of win them over you do have a bonus lifeline yeah but this is for 10 points right now isn't correct, it correct yeah so I'm not the biggest social media user I have 18 posts on my Instagram feed and 949 followers on Twitter definitely can't be a majority like the Instagram made it seem like it could be but it can't if I got that one first I could have been like Ooh. Nah, definitely not one of them. Wow, this is actually quite hard though. This, this is a good game. This to be happen. fair, Kieran Conway got badly stitched up. Zelfa had a few easy questions. Sometimes the lifeline. So if you if you go for the lifeline, yeah, go on. Because I'm, I'm trying to come top. I'm trying to come top. I'm trying to come top. So right now, if I answer, well, how many have I got? This will be for ten, 10. points. So you still got another two questions. And exactly. A and a lifeline. So I'm going to use the lifeline now because I kind of need it. Jamie, over to you for the bonus lifeline. Here it is. Right, go ahead. Here we go. Here is. Your lifeline, Sonny Edwards. You were the first fighter I boxed with a winning record. I think he knows it, he's nodding. I can just imagine you said this at the presser. To him. Nah, because he must have more followers than that. Oh, Twitter followers, you said, not Instagram, innit? So it was 18 posts on Instagram, 949 followers on Twitter. Yeah, no, no, I think, I think, I think I've got it. Did I fight for a title? That might be a question down the line, so. <sighs> I thought I was going to get one here, Sorry. Then. You still got another question to beat Bradley Skeet, so you could squeeze in one but more. But if I guess one name, I'm wrong. I have yeah, zero yeah. If you say Campos for argument's sake and it's wrong, you're out. But you'll oh, get nil point. You'll get ten if you get this right now. Still, because technically you haven't moved on. <sighs> you still got one more question to squeeze in for Bradley Skeet. There's probably only another four or five. You no, know, Bradley Skeet was one of my motivations growing up in boxing. You know, what a lovely bloke. Because when I had my first amateur fight, he was like the main fighter in the gym. I was for, um, so I don't really want him to beat me at this. Um, Next question. You still got a bit oh, of free will move. We won't tell him if uh, if you don't beat him. He's been texting me every week saying, "Am I still top of the leaderboard?" Wonder how obscure it is, though, because I've got some obscure names in there, man. I think go to the next one. You've yeah, still got next that. one. I'm, I've not got it right now. More, the more, the more questions, the more yeah. possibilities. Okay, so question round number four worth nine points. And this would be to, to beat Bradley Skeet. I've never boxed on a matchroom show. I said it's not Campos. Um, but yeah, I knew that from the followers, actually. So what I'm going to do is, yeah, I don't think you're going to do something so dead as get like, one of the first five opponents. I think you're going to have done it a bit more meaty than that, yeah. So 
if you guess now, get it right, you're top. If you guess now, get it wrong, nil point. You join Zelfra at the bottom. I get, I get myself was at the bottom now. <laughs> no, he went all the way to the last question. And, and, still, oh, still and he still got it. Oh, my God. We gave him the initials. He still knew. <laughs> <laughs> Who was it? I can't remember who it was now. Um, no, Tellers. Edwin Tellers. Edwin yes. Tellers. Yeah, you yeah. do go obscure then. Mm. You just give me a clue that you got obscure. Well, you know, I think there has to be a little time pressure on here. What are we saying? Ten more seconds? Oh, well, goddamn. I was <laughs> enjoying that. I was trying to see if I could get anywhere out of you lot. Um, so, wait. Right now it's ten points. Uh, this will be nine. nine points. So this is the one to beat Bradley Skeeter. If you join top, if you move to the next one, they get it right. Nah, I'll go to the next one. Yeah. Well, fine. So this is to level with Bradley Skeet. As an amateur, I boxed in the ABAs for three years on the bounce, reaching a semi-final in 2015. Marcel Boyfriend. Correct. Oh, he's dropped the mic. Mic drop. He's out. I had that as well. You know what? To be fair, question. I knew it from the second question. It's wrong. Swing down. To be fair, though, it's right. Top, right top. Yep, so if you if you remain in this position at the end of the series, you're in line for a charity payout, so stay tuned. What well, for any charity of mine? Correct. Well, delighted, as always, to be joined by British and Commonwealth super lightweight champion Dalton Smith. Dalton, it's not been too long since you've had that title intro, both the belts. Does it sound good? Sounds good. But you know what? It seems, seems like it was years ago. Um, you know, I'm used to being active, so probably the first time I've, I've had a little bit of time off and, you know, time to reflect, but, you know, I like staying active, you know, I'm able to, you know, improve in, in areas I wouldn't be able to if I was in camp, so, yeah, it's, um, I'm not complaining. Is it also good? Nice to sit back, I guess, you know, the two special nights you've had at the Sheffield Arena now, momentous occasions for you, for your family as well. Nice to be able to sit back and appreciate how far you've come as well, I imagine. Yeah, definitely. I mean... You know, even from turning professional, I've been, you know, very active camp after camp. Um, you know, so I've never really had time to sit back and reflect, you know, what I've done, what I've achieved. And this is probably the only time I've been able to do that, where I've sat back and looked how far I've come and, you know, the journey I've been on and then and then look forward to the next. So, you know, us fighters, sometimes we're not happy unless we've got a fight, you know, ahead scheduled in. But, you know, it's just nice to sit back, reflect and then, and then also you can, you know, look look what's in the future, plan out where you want to go um, and things like that. So, you know, it's always good to have that little bit of time to, you know, sit back and reflect. In terms of personal interest for you, Dalton, I've got to ask you what's going on with, with Wednesday, mate. Not the uh, not the dream start. What's, what's gone wrong? Mate, it's a topic what we can, we can speak on another day. <laughs> <laughs> I think... Sonny Edwards was saying, uh, your good friend Sonny Edwards on Talk Sport the other day, that they need to get him in the Chelsea dressing room to sort of give the you know the players a little clip round the ear and, and whip them into shape. Have, have Sheffield reached out to you yet? I'm not sure. It might be a help, but you know, it's we need to we need to do something because it's been a terrible start to the season and it's just fr it's frustrating to see. You know, like you said, we've got the, we've got the players there, we've got the team, but something's not working. You know, I'm not a football manager and football coach, but you know, there's some something needs to be done. Can you can you play a bit? It sounds like you're talking a good game here, Dalton. You play a bit. I like I like to play, but I've got two left feet or two right feet, whatever it is. <laughs> I just I enjoy a game of football, but you know my skills are terrible. I actually saw uh, doing the rounds on Twitter recently. I believe Sheffield Wednesday as a club have put in for some type of event permit, and I can imagine that can only be good when it comes to to putting on a fight in the stadium. It, I guess, like, it's, a, it's an easy question for you, but when they're putting stuff like that in place, maybe, like, makes the dream feel uh, that little bit more re re realistic that they're moving in the right direction, I suppose. 
yeah, it's good to see. And I mean, even from the early days of me being professional or a couple of years ago, um, we were sat in the, in, you know, the, the, the football stadium there and they, they was wanting to push it themselves. You know, they want to make it, they want to make it happen. So they're right behind it, supporting me all the way. And, and I still, I keep in touch with the guys who are, you know, do all the, the higher up in the club. Um, and like I said, that they're on it to get these events going. Um, and I mean, apart from a football, a football match, the next big thing is is going to be me 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 fighting there. So you know the ball's rolling, and you know Touchwood, we can make it happen. Um, you know next year or maybe the year after. We are going to throw to to some shouts from the fans now, which has basically been talking about the best thing to happen in boxing. Uh, here is producer Scott Hamilton, who's sat next to me, to uh, to give you some shouts, Dalton, and we'll discuss them. Here he is. Yeah, we've got a few relevant shouts for you, Dawn. So the first one is from Cat Francis, who says the best thing to happen in boxing last week was seeing Bam and Sonny face off in Orlando. It was cold. It's a while off, but it feels real now. Well, Dalton, you train alongside Sonny Edwards every day. I think it's safe to say he is a character uh, in every sense of the word. In your in your mind, though, Dalton Smith, unbiased aside. Why and how do you believe Sonny Edwards beats Bam Rodriguez on December 16th? I've been around a lot of gyms, um, you know, amateur professional. Um, I've seen a lot of talent. And for me, Sonny's, you know, exceptional. And, and I just, of course, this is one of the hardest fights Sonny's had today. But I just think Sonny's skill-wise levels above Bam, um, style-wise. And, you know, I've got full confidence in him. You know, Sonny's been shouting for these fights for a long time. You know, he's finally got him now um, on the big stage. He's, he's in the same promotional team as me Me now. Of course, he's, we're still quite a few weeks away, months away, whatever. But, you know, the build-up's going to be good. Sonny's a character. Um, you know, Bam seems a respectful guy. And, you know, I'm going to enjoy watching the build-up, being in camp with Sonny. And, you know, like you say, in, enjoying the process of it all. And then Sonny getting there, you know, adding another, another world title to his collection. Next shout is from Lukey the Blue, who says, Adam Azim getting his European title shot confirmed. He's going all the way. Well, Dalton, I remember in our post-fight interview after you added the Commonwealth belt to your collection, you made it very clear, traditional route. You wanted to fight for the European title next. What's your thought on, on missing out on that shot for now and, and Adam Azim getting his opportunity? Obviously, you can't cry over spilt milk. The, the European is the, the one I wanted, but you know, I'm not going to be out until February. So obviously, I can't control what happens in boxing. I was the number one number one spot there for that European title. You know, for me, Adam Azim's jumped the domestic level. You know, you see, I've gone through, fought, fought the champions there through the British title. And, and obviously, we've we, we seen that we put the... I've seen an interview from Adam Azim on Sky, and he was saying, oh, because we, we put an offer in for, for, for Adam Azim. Um, we had no response from that, from that offer. And, you know, I've seen that Adam Azim was saying, oh, we'll call him bluff, but... You know, I was the one who said who asked to, for the offer to be put in. You know, I wanted that fight, so you know, it's there's no there's no calling bluff there. You know, I seriously wanted that fight, and you know, we we had no response from it. You're both young men, but some people have been saying it's a fight that should happen for a world title. But but like you say, in the way you're speaking there, Dalton, you, you feel it's a fight we could see next year, and very much a fight you win as well. Yeah, I'm very confident in it's a fight fight I win, um, and I think a lot of people in his team know it's. It's the wrong fight for him at the minute. Um, you know, that's why it's been very quiet. But of course, it's it's a fight I want. And, and like you say, a lot of people are saying it's it's a fight what needs to be for a world title. But, you know, you go back to the James DeGale and George Groves. The, the loser in that fight was the first one to win a world title. Um, they both had great careers. And, you know, if, if you're good enough, 
you know, Cream always rises to the top and you know, there's no reason why we can't do it now and also for a world title. So, you know, we'll see we'll see what happens. And last shout this week is from our old friend Hunt the Hunted, who says seeing Zhang do the double over Joe Joyce, it was marvellous. Well, you must have trained Dalton, I imagine, along, alongside Big Joe for years, really, at Team GB. Whilst it was hard to see, it was a great shot. And we know Zhili Zhang's a good fighter. We've worked with him at Matchroom as well. What a knockout. Yeah, great finish, great knockout. And obviously me as a you know, former teammate of Joyce, obviously he's got her into seas. You know, he's a lovely, he's a lovely guy and he's very talented. But obviously he's taking nothing away because Zhang's a really good fighter. Um, and people are overlooking that. He's a, he's a, he's a very avoided fighter and, and you can see why now. Um, but, you know, that doesn't put a downer on his performance. Obviously he's lost and it's a bad way to, to lose. But, you know, you look at many fighters, they've lost like that before and come again. And I, think, I just think it's a bit harsh from, especially the British fans, where they're, they're kicking a man when he's down. You know, he didn't have to take those challenges and he's done it to try and, you know, prove something to himself and he, you know, came up short. But, you know, that doesn't define him as a fighter and, and I'm sure he'll come again. Great stuff, Dale. Final one from you. I know you're going to be in Sheffield next week for the big one. I'm sure you'll have itchy knuckles standing ringside watching Leeward and Josh Warrington. What sort of atmosphere and who wins, in your opinion? For me, I'm looking forward to the atmosphere. Um, you know, I think there's going to be some the plastic beer cups thrown around somewhere. <laughs> I'm hoping it's beer what's in the cups anyway. <laughs> but um, no, nah, it's a great fight. Both, you know, people I've followed and, you know, trained alongside over the years. And, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm excited to be sat there and watch, you know, two, 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 two good fighters in the game and, you know, made the best man win. You know, it's going to be some atmosphere and, and some fight and one I'm looking forward to. And also, Supporting my teammates there, Nico and um, Junaid on, on the card as well. So, you know, I'm excited for it. Well, Dalton, I will just say, I hope you uh, rest up those splinters to, to heal because you're very much on the fence with that one. But we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll let you off for that one, I think, my friend. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for your time. And uh, I believe you're actually going to be part of the Design Broadcast team next yeah. week. Well. So, very much look forward to seeing you back in action on the air. Let's get to Primark and get my suits kitted out. <laughs> and, uh, get an iron for that t shirt. Yes, <laughs> good speaking to you. See you in a bit. Thanks, as always, for listening to Flash Knockdown. Thanks to producer Scott. Producer Scott. Thanks, Jeremy. And thanks to our guests, Katie Taylor, Sonny Edwards, Dalton Smith, Nigel Ben, and Mike Costello. We're back in Sheffield next week for Lee Wood and Josh Warrington. So make sure you subscribe and follow the podcast. Tune into The Zone, of course, this Saturday night for our world title double header. What a lot of boxing to look forward to. Thanks for listening. Uh, 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 uh.